Greetings, everyone. It's wonderful to have you here today. I will be interviewing Spu Zagote from Abakhali Basmajon Dolo, the uh, Shack Dwellers movement in South Africa. It's an extraordinary movement which has uh, apparently an audited paid up membership of something in the region of 70,000 people across South Africa from all the shack dwellings in South Africa. He's uh, been involved with Abakhali as uh, the president for a number of years, I think since 2005. And uh, the organization is basically one that um, campaigns for basic services for shack dwellers like water, electricity, uh, as well as land and housing. Spu was, was uh, presented with the uh, Order of the Holy Nativity by Bishop Philip Rubin of South Africa uh, back in 2009 and was named by the Mail and Guardian as one of the 200 most important young South Africans in 2012. And more recently, isn't that right, uh, Spoo, that there was a land occupied by Abakhlali near Johannesburg, which has been named uh, Zikode. So welcome to this interview and thanks for giving time. I understand from what you were saying that there's been a complete lockdown in, uh, in South Africa today. Um, what's happening there in, in relation to that? Yes, uh, thank you so much, Feroz. And um, I must say how grateful I, I am to be invited here uh, to this interview. This is one of the extraordinary moments in South Africa where for the first time in history, we are locked down and the country has been declared a state of disaster. So today is the first day in which all of us are compelled to be sitting at home and to be with our families uh, because there are precautional measures that the government has taken to actually cap the further spread of the coronavirus, which has really devastated uh, the nation as, as well as the entire world. So we are just in the moment of frustration, a moment of hopelessness. We do not know uh, what the future entails. And it's been extremely difficult for us, especially as activists. Um, we should be outside educating our communities, campaigning for safety measures. But unfortunately, we are all locked up in our own homes. We are unable to assist others. And we feel helpless in a sense that we are unable to um, engage with our own communities, especially in this trying time. So this is one of the most uh, crucial moments in the history of South Africa. So what sort of levels of infection are you aware of in South Africa? Well, in terms of the official statistics, we are told that there's more than 1,000 uh, infection as we speak. Uh, the state officials have not come out clear as to how many exactly, but we are told we have now have more than 1,000 infections. So this number has been growing up very quick uh, because, I mean, by yesterday we were like 907. And today we wake up with the news that we are now over 1,000. So you can see that the level of infection is getting out of hand. Uh, but of course, we commend the government for the step that they have taken so far. 
although it is not nice um, for anyone. However, we see it as an important step, at least, to find ways to control and minimize further uh, infection. Uh, well, this is not in any way a, a cure, but rather a precautionary measure so that they can be able to follow up on the infection. Okay, so now help me understand. I mean, for people living in the sh shack dwellers, uh, which if I remember when you showed me around when I visited you in Durban, you have people with really poor housing, very narrow streets. People are living on top of each other. Uh, and there's very little sanitation. There's very little access to water. So what does um, quarantine mean? What does being locked down mean for people? Is it really going to prevent an infection transmitting across the community? Well, that's a very important question for the slum dwellers um, throughout the world. Uh, there is hardly any water and sanitation. There's hardly any collection, no road access. There's no electricity. As a source of energy, people use candles and paraffin stoves, which are often explosive. And if one shack is on fire, then suddenly the entire community goes on fire. Now, when one talks about social distance, which is our new concept um, in the area um, of the coronavirus, um, I must say that um, the precautions that the government has put, uh, including the so-called social distance, does not apply in the informal settlement. People are already living and squeezed together. So um, you can imagine when we are told to wash our hands now and again and promote hygiene, what that looks like in the informal settlement, because there's hardly any water and sanitation. So there are settlements where there is leaky or no water at all. Uh, this is a difficult moment uh, for our members. And you are very scared that if there was one particular infection in these shack segments, suddenly this will go like um, we are very worried and holding our breath that the infection do not take place in these areas. We've called upon governments for the past 15 years of our involvement within Abakhali to say basic services are agent in these communities. Now, today, um, the conditions that have been put forward by the government cannot be complied with in the informal settlement. It simply cannot be possible to distance people because already people are packed together. There are small piece, pieces of land in which we find ourselves. So um, the refuse is not collected. So these are areas of really, they like a dump site. So when one talks about the needs for people to have sanitizers, in the informal settlement, it's not just the household that needs sanitizers, but the dams that, are, that have been allowed in our settlement because the municipalities would not collect refuse. So there are dams that have piled up for months and years that have not been collected, which have become the breeding grounds for harmful bacteria. Um, and, and all the germs that are potential to spread uh, diseases, not only coronia, but all sorts of diseases. So it's really an important moment and for the state to start thinking about 
recognizing shared dwellers as human beings who are entitled to all the basic services that everyone deserves. So uh, is it practical for people to be two meters apart from each other? As I said, this is inapplicable in the informal settlement. This is impossible. Not that people do not want to comply with the state regulations. We want to, but it has become a joke uh, to talk about social distance, that people should not be together. The life that we are already living in slums is as disastrous as the coronavirus. So what is local government? Surely local government actually knows that this is happening. Uh, you've had lots of interactions with them. Uh, what has been their response to the appeals that have been made by Abakhali? Well, the local government has shown no interest. We are on our own. We have seen the statements that the national government have issued that they have to roll out water and sanitation into the informal settlements. But none of this has been communicated direct to us. We hear from the media that there will be provision of basic services such as water and sanitation to the informal settlements, but none of the authorities, both at the state level and at the local level, have ever promised how are they going to be uh, implemented and what role are we going to play as leaders and activists of Abakali. It is unfortunately that we made this decision without consulting the people that are meant to benefit from the decision that they are making. So it's the ongoing um, political unwillingness to actually engage poor communities. And they often ask the question, who the hell are you that we can engage with you? These are sort of the conversation that, that's going on. Is it not the right time for the municipalities to engage communities before everyone is in trouble? Because as I said, our fear yeah. is that if there was infection in the slum, suddenly the entire settlements will, will be infected and this will go like a wildfire. So, I mean, would I be right to understand that from the point of view of local government, uh, they see the settlements as a threat, as a source of potential infection? Um, in the past, uh, you have reported often about the way in which the police will come in and raid and burn down the, the settlements. Um, is that a threat that you think is going to increase now? Yes. Um, I don't think authorities really care about the shark settlement. They, 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 they did. They would have engaged with us. I mean, we have even written a letter to the MEC for health in Guadalajara, and we have invited and extended an invitation that we should immediately meet so that we partner in these difficult moments so that we can suggest the ways in which we think uh, would be helpful in this trying time. They have not responded, not even to acknowledge our letters. Now, that tells you that they do not care about the, the informal settlement. Now, of course, um, organizing of Abakhali in Sheikh has really became a threat to the authorities. Now, I don't think it's time to be politicking and playing games. We're talking about life and death here, politics or no politics. I think it's time the government come to their senses and recognize every human being as a deserving citizen that is entitled to the safety measures that government is proposing. I don't think it should be a, a time for, for a blame game.
If I understand it, uh, Abakali has something like 70,000 members uh, across the, uh, the country. Um, so what kind of discussions are going on today about how do you organize in a time of, uh, of an epidemic, in a time of COVID-19? Well, Abakali has had several meetings around this question. Now, the resolution that we have taken as an organization is that we are a responsible organization, we are a responsible movement, we have responsible leadership, we love our country and we love our world because we are part yeah. of a global community at the time. So we have made compromise and one of those com some of those compromises have been that we have resolved to suspend all activities of Abakhani, including our biggest event in the year, the Unfreedom Day. So all our activities have been suspended and we have also agreed that we are going to educate ourselves around the virus itself because none of us is informed of what is really going on. We have taken a decision that we have to educate ourselves as leaders, activists, but also right. educate our communities through texts in our own local languages and so on. But we've also um, wanting to engage the government who is unfortunately unwilling to come to the table with us so that we can, you know, ask for the resources in order to be able to reach out to our communities, educating our communities, but also we want them to provide sanitizers, especially to those dam sites that are very strategic, that are very um, high areas that would spread and so on. But also we have uh, actually called upon the, the government to agently provide water and sanitation to the informal settlements. If the state is really serious about capping further spread of coronavirus, they better provide water and sanitation. And we think this is doable. It's within the budget that they have every year. It's just that there hasn't been any political will to do that. So it's not a question of budget constraints or anything like that. It's a matter of a responsible minister, government official, to say we are in government because of the people. Now, in South Africa, we have a very famous mm. uh, freedom charter, people shall govern. I think it's high time that we are regarded as people who shall govern, because if we get killed by diseases today, then they would have no uh, reason to exist as government. The government has to be for people and by the people. So you cannot ignore people in this crucial time. So we call upon South Africa to provide um, water and sanitation to all the informal settlements around the country. But we're also calling uh, for a, a moratorium to all evictions because as we speak, and one of the reasons why I've been late uh, for this interview is that there is a, a, an eviction that is taking place as we speak in, in Shalcross, in one of our branches in Egupumelilin. As we speak, on the first day of the lockdown, state organs like Etegwini Municipality has been the first to break the law. Their action has not only been illegally, but it has been criminal that they were carrying out this eviction um, without the court order. But at the same time, it has gone against the President of the Republic of South Africa, who have called upon everyone, including state organs, so uh, do you see, I mean, if evictions have started today, just as a lockdown has started, do you see more evictions taking place? 
and where will people go? It is unfortunately when the government is not caring that you cannot allow people who are already vulnerable, who are already facing the threat of coronavirus on one hand, but also having to face homelessness, which is now caused by the very same people who claim to be the custodians of our law. It is unfortunate. And we are hoping that the upper level of government will respond to this uh, because the Minister of Justice has also called on that there must be a moratorium to all evictions. So this is not just uh, the Minister of Justice who have also uh, made an instruction that courts and all the legal proceedings, which are not really urgent, shouldn't really be, um, there shouldn't be any, any move. So mm -hmm. if we were to go to tomorrow on an urgent basis, that this will reveal that the, there's a contradiction. The state says one thing and, and, and another thing. We are also aware that at the United Nations level, the special reportee on the situation of housing has also called upon a worldwide ban on evictions. Now, the Ateguini municipality is the first municipality to break, to defy the instruction of the president of the country, but also their acts have, uh, have always been unlawful. Okay. Um, let me just turn the attention uh, to a related issue. One of the things that Abbas Klali has become really well known for has been its position in relation to foreigners, African foreigners in, uh, in South Africa, the refugees uh, and others, many of whom come from neighboring countries as far as Zaire and so on. Uh, and um, I recall a statement that you uh, uh, wrote about people cannot be illegal, actions only can be illegal. But we are having here a community also uh, who are vulnerable to uh, infection by COVID. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what is happening in relation to, uh, what do they call them, Wakwere Kwere? in South Africa? Uh, yes, uh, first of all, I mean, our position on migrant communities is very clear as Abashan. We always believe that this means that a person can never be illegal um, from the position they find themselves. A person will always be a person no matter where one find themselves. So we, we don't believe that people should be discriminated on the basis of the areas they find themselves. So we believe that a human being was created in the image of God and therefore ought to be treated with respect and dignity. And this is what the values of Abathali that continues to drive us, that continues to make us more human. And of course, we want to humanize the world. Now, in order to humanize the world, a person should be Define in relation to others. No person should be defined in isolation to others, and therefore discrimination on the basis of ethnicity, on the basis of border, and so on, is something that Abakali has voted to find hard for. Which is why here in South Africa, we've stood very firm against violence perpetrated against our brothers and sisters born from other countries. So we are against 
any form of discrimination, whether it's racial or ethnicity, whether it's so-called Afrophobia, we don't think it has a place in our society. We have taken upon our shoulders that we would protect every life everywhere. Right. And many of these migrants are being rounded up by the police in the past and being locked up. Uh, so do you see the threat of uh, the infection spreading uh, under conditions of incarceration? Well, I think uh, one must comment, uh, obviously, some of the government has, has a way to safeguard uh, further action, because obviously it's us who would be visiting them who would um, have a potential to, to spread or to infect them, because uh, in incarceration, I think they are safe unless we, we, we bring, you know, the, the virus to, to them. So we um, commend that uh, there has been a suspension in terms of visiting uh, people who are incarcerated at, at this time. And uh, we think that's what should be done with other you know, institutions as, as there is a lockdown today. Uh, but while the, the lockdown is taking place, we think that there should be serious uh, action that is happening behind the scene. Because after the lockdown for 21 days, um, it doesn't mean that the virus would be gone at that time. Uh, I think it's time to actually work hard behind the scene to find cure, but to identify resources that would help people to spread the message, educate people so that by the time the lockdown ends, people are more educated, more informed. They adhere to the rules that have been put in place because this is a global pandemic. So we should be learning from other countries how they have dealt with this. And also um, it's an opportunity at the same time to work in solidarity and work in partnership uh, in this uh, trying time. Even those who did not agree with us, maybe we do not even have to agree, but the situation is at least forcing us to be engaging, to be one nation, to be one world. And this is what we pray for. Well, that's a good prayer to have, but the reality is that uh, it will take at least 18 months for a new vaccine of some kind to be uh, available and tested, uh, let alone to be bought and shipped and so on. So um, we face a situation that even in 21 days, it seems unlikely, does it not, um, that uh, this virus will, will be... Uh, under control. Um, you mentioned earlier on that people living in shack dwellers don't, don't even have access to water and they're living on top of each other. So they can't really follow the, the recommendations that are being made. Yes, no, absolutely. Which is why we also feel as a movement that we have responsibility as individuals, as activists, as citizens of this country, um, the responsibility to educate um, one another about the, the virus itself. We've got the responsibility to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. As uh, it is a moment of close down, some people don't even have food. They are starving because they make their livelihood through waking up on daily basis to hustle. People have not saved money because many of them are unemployed. So while we fear for the virus, on the one hand, hunger and starvation is likely to take place, which is our greatest threat. 
while people are locked in, if they would have enough food to survive. As you are saying, 21 days doesn't guarantee that there will be a cure. So which is why today we have a duty, a duty cause, duty to my country, duty to my God, duty to my world. This is what we all appeal you know, to South Africa to, to say, let's do, let's play our role, let's do our part, let's take responsibility of spreading the right message and also deal with the fake news that have also put more pressure on many communities who would believe everything that comes on the social media, which is often not true. So it's time that we talk the truth, even to power, uh, but it's time to unite at the same time. I'm going to try and uh, get back to Spoo at a later date and to monitor what's going around in different parts of the world. I'd like to thank you all for joining us today. And please uh, do share this with others. And thank you for participating. Wishing you all well and be safe.